The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 20, which sets forth the anchor of hope. We began to see that our anchor indeed is both sure and steadfast, not because of anything we've done, but because of the solid rock of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us today as we conclude this message, the anchor of hope. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Abram, there's something better waiting on you. There's something better that I've promised you. And just to make it clear, even though Abraham didn't have any children, you know, you think about, he said, you're going to have a multitude that's the, this is, as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Now, this is, this is I can just see Abram talking to God and, and in the rapturous fellowship that he has there, being all excited and, and you know, kind of like we do. We come here to church and we get all worked up. We get all excited in the spirit. And, and, and I think about those rich, great promises and I think about all the good things God is going to do. But then when the fellowship kind of ends and we get away from here, I start looking around me and I start looking. I say, wait a minute. Things don't look as glorious as I felt they would be when I was talking to God. And that's, notice Abram here is talking to God. Can you imagine that experience? But then when he stops and looks around, you know, God said, I'm going to have a multitude of children that you can't even count, but, but I don't even have a child. I, I don't have anyone here except this servant in my house. And, 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 and what a, you know, the struggle that he had is a struggle we have, is that even though God has made the promises, for instance, we've already looked at it. God has put death to death. He's put all things under his feet. The head of the serpent has been bruised. He's been destroyed, we're told. But yet we don't see that. He said that back in the fourth chapter, I believe. He said, yet now we don't see all things under his feet. But you know what we do see? But we see Jesus, you see. And that's what he's telling him here. He's saying, this is a promise that you can count on, Abram. And just to make it clear, just to make it so, we're told that God said to Abraham said, okay, I want you to go, I want you to go take uh, a heifer. Let's see here. He said in verse 9, he said, take a heifer, a she-goat, a ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And we're told that he ended up going over there and dividing them up. We'll come back to that in a moment, but I want you to understand what God is doing here is he is beginning to give this promise in a more visible way even than he had before to Abraham. You see, God's promise, God made this promise, and it is a messianic promise. It is a promise not just to Abraham, and God's promise is certain. It took a long time for this promise to be fulfilled in Abraham's life. We're told back in, back in uh, Hebrews in our, uh, in our text that in verse 15, I believe it is, he said, uh, after he had patiently endured. When, uh, verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Abraham's a, an example for us. He patiently endured. And I want you to remember, he endured for a long time. You know, we don't think about that sometime in the Scripture. Abraham lived to a ripe old age, I forget, 180 years, something like that. But there was a long time between the time God promised he would have a son and the time that son actually came. He was 75 years old or so when God first made the promise, and he was 100 when Isaac was finally born. Oh, you say, well, that was just 25 years. Well, think about 25 years in your life. Think about your life in 25 years. I'm 55 years old. 25 years ago, I was 30. Man, things were different back then. <laughs> and a lot's happened in 25 years. 
If I didn't have any children right now and God said, you're going to have a child, but I had to wait 25 years. What is that? I'd be 80. I'd be 80 before I had any children. And I can't even imagine having a child right now <laughs> at 55. But you'll think about Abram. He was 100 when he had his first child. Well, not counting Ishmael. He had a son by the bondwoman. But the point is, is that he had to wait a while before Isaac was finally born. But God had promised. And remember what, remember what Solomon said in 1 Kings 8 and 56. He said, there had not failed one word of all his good promise which he has promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. In this case, not one word of the promise that God made to him had failed. But God went further. God went further. Listen to this. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. In earthly courts, swearing an oath ends the problem. You got a landline dispute and you get together and you swear that this is resolved in this certain way, then that's it. It's over. He says, when you swear, you swear by something greater. Now, think about that too. <laughs> kind of thinks, well, maybe there's a little issue here because usually when you swear, you swear by the greater thing. We, we, re we very rarely say, I swear on my kitty cat's grave, do we? <laughs> you know? We, we, I swear, I swear on that snail that's crawling across it. No, I mean, what kind of oath is that? You know, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear uh, on my, uh, you know, on my grandchildren's life or something like that. That's something that's greater than what we. And of course, in our case, we swear in the name of God, who is greater. But God has none greater. So what did He do? He could only swear by Himself. He can only swear by himself. And notice, it says, Men swear, verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show under the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. What is God doing here? Is he shoring up the promise to make it stronger? Is he, is he fixing some problems to make sure that it's where it was weak, now it's strong? No, it was strong from the beginning. All he ever had to say to anybody was, Eve, your seed is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That would have been enough. He didn't have to say anything else. He could have left it at that. He could have said nothing else. And it would be just as sure as it was after he made this oath to Abraham. But God was willing more abundantly to show unto us. He was willing to show to the people of hope that there is some hope out there that's greater than anything this world can offer. And so what he did in verse 18, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So what God did was he swore so that we might have a stronger consolation because he knew the weaknesses. He knew that we, you know, I, I, we say we trust God, don't we? I mean, I trust God, but I tell you what I tend to do, I tend to forget how great God is. And I tend to have to be shown over and over and over. You know what I do sometimes when I get to struggling with my faith? I just sit down and go back and think about all the ways God has been faithful to me. One of the things I think about is this church right here. I think about how God has blessed us over the past 11 years. How that, how that 
we had no place to really go that we felt like we were at the right place. Everywhere I went, I didn't feel like it was right. I didn't feel like I, I was at the place that the Lord wanted me to be. And when it came time for me to realize this is where it was, it didn't look like anything here. I mean, my goodness, one member, two, when Brother Mackey joined, how in the world could God possibly do anything with this? You know, Abraham said, I don't have a child and I'm past the time of childbearing. My wife in particular cannot have a child anymore as it as pertains to the flesh. There's just no way that should work out. But look what God did. He gave him Isaac. He gave us Zion. He's given you and I things in our lives that we can look back to. When David slew Goliath, he took Goliath's uh, armor and he put it in his tent. You know, he, he, he sent other things other places, but he took the armor and he put it in his tent. I've often thought about why he did that. I believe one of the reasons was there would be times when he was struggling with his faith. And he'd say, man, I just don't feel like I'm in the right place. I just don't know that the Lord can deliver me here. But then he turns and looks at that armor and he said, well, you know what? I may not feel like he can deliver me, but there was a day when he did. <laughs> In a much worse situation, you know, I look back on the things God has done for me and I'm encouraged by that. You see, God is so faithful. We're not looking for signs. We're not looking for signs and wonders. We should. That's a sinful thing to do. But what we do need from time to time is reassurance that God is with us. David said, I had fainted if I had not thought to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so I think back to times in my life when God has delivered me, when God has been faithful. And that's what he's saying here. He said, I'm going to show you. I don't have to. My promise is good. My word is good. But I'm going to show you. I'm even going to execute an oath. So I guess he came down and he said, okay, Abraham, I need you to agree with me that I'll do my part if you'll do your part. And, 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 and so you and I get together and we'll make this oath. <laughs> well, let me just go ahead and say, no way. <laughs> no way. That wasn't what it was. But you know, I wonder what Abraham thought because this was a custom in that day. We've already talked about that in, some, in a previous message. But back over in chapter 15, I, I named off those animals, the d pigeon and the dove and the, uh, the heifer and all that, that he said, Abraham, go get these. You know, I'm sure Abraham would have known what was about to happen. That's the way, they, that's the way men in that day executed a covenant. That's the way they, they entered a contract. They would take these particular animals and they would, cut them, they would kill them and they would cut them in half and they would lay one half on one side and one half on the other and there would be a walkway between them and they would join hands, they would get together, make an agreement. You know, you do your part, I'll do my part. And then they would walk together through that pathway between those dead animals and what they were saying was, if I break my promise, if I don't do my part, then may I die like these animals. May I become as these animals are. So Abraham, I don't know what he was thinking, but I can just see him, his mind, the wheels turning. I could see him saying, oh, okay, we're about to enter a covenant. Because he knew what those animals meant. And, and, and yet, what happened was, instead of Abraham being part of that covenant, and you read it in chapter 15, Abraham went to sleep. Abraham fell asleep. Abraham was dead to the world, we would say. You know, I find it interesting that Jesus calls death sleep. That's, that's essentially what Abraham was. He was dead. He was not functioning in the realm of those who were awake. He was 
dead in a sense. And a horror of great darkness came upon him. There was, it was not just any kind of sleep. It was a deep sleep. You ever had, a, had been asleep so hard and had a dream so vivid that when you woke up, you didn't even know where you were? I've been doing a lot of dreaming like that lately. I wake up sometimes and thinking, where am I? Abraham was in that kind of deep sleep. And so what happens? Well, you read the record sometime. Abraham might have thought, well, now me and God are going to enter a covenant, but that's not what happened. A smoking furnace and a burning lamp representing God himself passed between those pieces of those animals. Not Abraham. Abraham was asleep. Abraham was dead to the world. God himself passed between those animals. God himself affirmed this covenant with himself. Not with Abraham, not with someone else, not with the preacher, not with the church, not with the temple. God affirmed this covenant. This covenant was the covenant of grace. Abraham had said, God, how shall I know? Well, God says, I'm going to show you. And notice that something had to die for that covenant to be entered into. Beloved, those animals died and God himself passed through that, through that, uh, 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 through those animals, those dead carcasses. He passed through there by himself to make that covenant on that day. The same is true for the covenant of grace. Somebody had to die. But he died alone. It wasn't John the, the apostle. It wasn't, uh, wasn't one of the other apostles, Peter or one of the others. It was Jesus Christ himself who died, who passed through the portals of death to affirm the covenant of grace to us. Let me just say this. What God was saying when he did that, as he passed through those animals he was saying the same thing that men would say when they'd enter into a contract. He was saying, if I break one of these promises, if I break my covenant in any way, may I become as these animals are. In other words, may I die. And I'm not talking about dying on the cross as Christ did. May I die. May I, the Lord God Almighty, cease to exist if I don't keep my covenant. You remember he said there's two immutable things that he swore by? Well, there's two immutable things about God. Number one, God cannot lie. But number two, God cannot die. God cannot die. In fact, that's why Jesus had to become a man in order to die in the first place for us. So here's the point. The certainty of this covenant, if even one if even one of those who are beneficiaries of this covenant don't get the benefits of the covenant, that is, don't make it to heaven, then God is a liar and would have to execute himself. God would have to die. And praise God, he's not a liar and he cannot die. And you see, God's promise is our great hope. Notice in verse 19, he says, which hope, this hope that I'm telling you about, about God's immutability and his immutable covenant and his immutable promises, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. You know, it's a great hope that we have. It's not a little hope. It's not a fanciful wish. I know there was a time when 
it, it went around, I used to believe this about the primitive Baptists. They can't, they don't believe in certainty. They believe in hope. Well, I'll take hope over certainty any day because I'll tell you, there's every, there are many days of my life I'm not certain. I have to make my calling and election sure by going back to my knees and, and trying to seek fellowship with God. But what I've always got is hope. And it's not some little fanciful wish. It is the anchor of my soul. This is a great hope. Hope is a confident expectation. The hope of the scripture is that kind of confident expectation. I've already mentioned that there's a big ball game going on tonight. You may be pulling for one team or another. You may hope that this team wins or hope that that team wins. But beloved, that's a wish compared to the hope, the confident expectation that this covenant will be kept. It is a deep-seated, life-anchoring hope. You know... The writer of the Psalms in chapter 16 talks about this hope, but I'm not going to turn there because Peter, the great apostle on the day of Pentecost, quoted Psalm 16 in his great message there to those on that day. And in Acts chapter 2, in verse 25, as Peter is preaching there, he's quoting, you go back and read it, Psalm 16 in verses 8 through 11. You see, even those Old Testament saints had this hope. Verse 25 of Acts 2, For David speaketh concerning him, speaking of Christ, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore my, did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Did you know your flesh can rest in hope tonight? Because of the covenant of grace that God has reaffirmed over and over and over, and in particular to Abraham in that day. Now here's the hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now what is he talking about here? What is it that he's saying that we, our, my flesh can rest in hope? Because David died and David saw corruption, but he wasn't talking about David. Notice here he says in verse 29, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us unto this day. We know where David's buried. We know where his bones are. But this is not talking about David. He's not talking about himself. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, there's that oath again, that the, of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. You know what he's saying to us here? He's saying, here's your hope. Your hope is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's even better than that, child of God. You say, how can it get better? How can it get better? I tell you how it can get better. It's not just about Jesus' resurrection. But because of Jesus' res resurrection, we will be resurrected. We have a resurrection coming because you see, he is the forerunner. Look at verse 20, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, 
made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have a forerunner. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 says, you know, they were, they were struggling over there. With, they'd forgot, they had quit believing in the resurrection. But he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The hope that we have that is our both sure and steadfast and is an anchor of our soul is the resurrection hope. That's our hope. That's the hope that he's talking about here. That's the hope that we're given through the covenant of grace that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and not man, entered into among itself. The Godhead itself made this covenant. I want you to notice that, as we said already, the, the chapter began with a warning about falling away. But it ends with a reaffirmation of the absolute concrete hope that we have. Many people get tripped up by that falling away. But praise God, the Holy Spirit clearly and unequivocally reaffirmed the foundation of our hope in this last part. You see, our hope is that one day, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe just a few minutes from now, but it may be later, the Lord is coming back and the resurrection is going to occur because we have a forerunner that entered into the veil for us. He entered into the Holy of Holies where no man could pass. The high priest could only go once a year and he had to make a sacrifice for himself. Jesus Christ stormed that Holy of Holies with his perfect body, his perfect sacrifice and performed what the high priest could only hint at, which is the absolute extermination, the absolute expiation of all the sins that were against us. I'm so thankful we have that hope because I need it in this wicked world. I hope that we can remember this as we go throughout this week because only by focusing upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the covenant of grace that was not made between God and man but was made among the Godhead for the benefit of man, by focusing upon that, we can have this same hope. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.